Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor. And I am Aaron Taylor, and we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. Welcome to episode 8 of Maximizing Life in the Middle podcast. The outside version. Yes, it is a lovely evening in our backyard and we are sitting out here. So you probably hear the crickets and the bugs chirping in the background. So that's where we are today. Yeah, this is, this is our little oasis. We've got a pretty awesome backyard if we do say so ourselves (laughs) or Uh, you yeah if i do say so we got a beach volleyball court and we got a pool it's not a giant pool it's a modest sized pool a couple nice umbrellas a little paver patio and uh and too many weeds to count and an awful lot of weeds right now though i picked out the other day as i was kind of squeezing some time in out here in the middle of the day, I don't remember what exactly was going on, but I walked around actually and I weeded about a third of it. So, wow. yeah, that's actually. Well, talking about maximizing life. Listen, aren't we always? Yeah. When we had our pool put in and we asked them to put rocks around the perimeter on the outside, they gladly did so. It wasn't the pool people, it was the fence people. They gladly did so, but then missed that one tiny little step of putting the weed uh, screen in under the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we are weeding out here every five seconds. But uh, that's one of the projects that I want to get done before it snows. (laughs) Raking up all the rocks and putting down weed screens so we can maximize our life and not have to spend it weeding. (laughs) Right, so... It's funny, though, that we come to talking about the weeds because it's kind of a metaphor for what you wanted to discuss today, which is... Decluttering. Decluttering. Removing the weeds from our personal space. Yes. And I think this is um, inspired by watching our friends move to a new house and knowing all the purging that they've been doing, trying to prep for their move. And so... She and I always, over the years, have inspired each other. When one of us is in a decluttering mood, we kind of rub off on the other one, and the other one will start decluttering. And so each time I go through this decluttering process in our house, I think I go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. At first, you just kind of, you know, look around and, get rid of stuff that you have absolutely no emotional attachment to and nobody's touched it in three years and it's sitting around literally collecting dust then the next time you make a maybe a tougher decision and then the next time you make an even tougher one and so I think the more you work at decluttering the deeper you get and I was at 
a friend's house recently. <laughs> and her house, I was shocked. It was the first time I was there. And I was shocked, and I came home and told you about it. I was shocked at how uncluttered her house is. And when I walked in, I literally felt like I could breathe better. I doubt there was anything physically different about the air in her house versus in the front yard or in my car or in our house or whatever. But I don't like visual clutter. I don't like to see a bunch of stuff in my visual field. And so when I walked in her house and it was so sparse, sparsely decorated, sparsely furnished, it just felt like so light and airy. Now, how old are her kids? 13. She has one. She has one kid 13 years old. Yes, and I, I know you can... <coughs> I know you're going to give me all kinds of justifications of why we have more junk around our house and stuff like that, but I know that this friend is a very, very... Hmm, it's hard to dis describe her adequately, but very accomplished and very forward-moving person. Very brilliant, and she doesn't weigh herself down with much of anything. Right. And she doesn't weigh herself down with unnecessary clutter. She doesn't weigh herself down by saying yes to things she should say no to. She doesn't weigh herself down by doing things out of obligation. She she fills her time the way she wants in the way that feels right and is alignment in alignment with what she wants to do in her life and her home is a reflection of that and it's so cool right so so when we think about that and when I think about that contextually for us you know there's one of the things that certainly we want to focus our lives on and that we that we just cherish and you know kind of it's a key tenet is this idea of our house as the the neighborhood gathering spot the hub the hub of activity i mean i had a friend over today who brought his two children over and um they came over and they were going to swim in the pool and one of his son is the age of our youngest and then he's got a younger daughter and when he got here by the time he got here there were two other friends already here from the neighborhood from the neighborhood and you know so they were sort of parallel playing uh to use a to use a parenting term parallel mm -hmm. playing his kids and and the the four who were already here um and then whenever within a half an hour or 45 minutes of them getting here another boy just wandered into our backyard one of the kids who's in the neighborhood um and he was was hanging out and then within another half an hour or so another boy wandered over and was hanging out and at, at one point my friend turned to me and said wow i'm sorry I, you know i know having extra kids here if you guys were having this whole little you know sort of play date party kind of thing going on i'm like this isn't a party this is just sunday yeah this is just every day this is just every day at our house and it's kind of the way we like it but i do think that inevitably one element of that is the element that leads to some clutter 
What, having a bunch of kids here? Having a lot of kids here. We had a conversation today with, <coughs> excuse me, our two kids about the amount of things that they were leaving out in and around the pool area. Not hanging up towels. Not hanging up towels. Not not doing the things. And we had a, a you know, I had a very serious discussion with them about their need to make sure that they were doing those things or else we couldn't continue to allow our house to be this hub of activity where people come and go and that everybody needed to respect our house. So I do think that while the situation that you're describing is very much a one that is, I'm sure, Spartan, to use a, to use a term, uh, in decor and uh, degree of clutter to a to a fault fault fault's not the right word but to a to an nth degree I wonder how that actually meshes with so many of the things that we take as things that we want as part of our lives yeah now I'm gonna go off course a bit because I want to highlight part of what I said to you when you were talking to the kids because I had been out grocery shopping while mm-hmm. all this was happening so I didn't even know any of it and I walked in and I could feel the air was thicker than pea soup I could cut it with a knife and I could tell as soon as I walked in the door before I even came into the kitchen I felt something like woof hit me in the head when I walked in and then I came in the kitchen and you were talking to the our youngest our two youngest ones about not hanging up their towels and all that stuff. And then afterwards, what you had said to them, if you guys aren't going to respect our space and our house, then you just can't have your friends come over anymore. And because they're not going to clean up, you're not going to clean up, etc. And I pointed out to you something that when I'm upset, I can't see it. And I don't think you could see it because you were upset today. But just like Dr. Shefali always says, you cannot expect your kids to do something that you are not valuing. You can't expect them to value something that you don't yourself value. And I know that both of us are guilty of this from time to time. We, we say we want cl- uh, cleanliness and order and we want the kids to hang up their towels and, you know, put the goggles back in the toy bin by the pool. But yet we don't reinforce that. We don't remind them every day when they get out of the pool. Hey, did you clean up everything before you come inside? We just forget. And if it's not on the front of our minds to remind them to clean up, how are we possibly expecting them to have cleaning up on the front of their minds because they don't even care about cleaning up. We care about it and we're not thinking about it. They don't care about it and they're not thinking about it. How can we expect from them something that we don't even remember that we want? I think that I agree with you. You know, after, you know, as time you know, sort of goes on and you kind of get uh, cool off from a situation, I, I know that <clears throat> that was a little bit of a reaction to, you know, just sort of suddenly seeing something. But I hadn't, I hadn't hawked over them while 
they were playing and going in and out from the pool and doing their different things because I was busy talking with my friend. I was busy doing something I wanted to do. And then once he left and they were kind of <coughs> playing with themselves and all the friends had gone, then all of a sudden I took a look around and saw eh, you know, shambles. It wasn't a shambles. Just saw some of the, the messes that had been made outside and how they hadn't really, you know, done what to me are like sort of minimum level things. I, I don't think we ask them to be uh, in a museum and can't touch anything or don't, you know, don't put anything out of place or anything like that. I mean, we're, I'm literally just talking about, you know, the, the remnants of a meal left out by the pool by the pool and that's like somehow or other I don't feel like I should have to hawk over them to make sure that they're doing that that feels to me like that's almost like minimum common decency kind of stuff that you should be able to handle as a young you know, young child, that, that, that it shouldn't take me having to say to you, oh yeah, hey, you're finished eating, take your food and the glasses and plates and the, the food itself that's left over and put it where it belongs. It shouldn't, it shouldn't take that. But and let me, let me explain what the thought process is or the lack of the thought process. He ate an apple and he left the core on the chair. And the reason he left the core on the chair is because all of his friends were out here and he was playing. And it's just never gonna, it's never occurred to him to say, oh, let me stop playing the game that we're very engaged in to walk into the house and throw out my apple core. He would probably without thinking just sat it down, maybe, maybe not intending to throw it out at a later time. And then when asked, he, he stated completely that it, forgot that it was there. Yeah, and when he was asked, he stated that it was his intention, obviously, to throw it out later. But too often, too often later becomes... Becomes never. Never, because they just get distracted. and Distracted, and that's the point. And is it, is it incumbent upon us as parents to have to sit there in a whip cracking dogmatic way and over over top of them and say oh right there hang on stop you just walked away from the table and there's an empty cup there you should put it into the sink and we've had periods of time where we've been more vigilant about those kinds of things but i don't feel like it's actually effectively modified the behavior because you have to be consistent mm. you have to be consistent you have to, if you want them to get there, you know, and some with putting their dishes away after they eat, sometimes they're better with it, sometimes they're not. But if you want them to consistently put their dishes away or put them into the sink after they eat every single meal, you have to remind them every single meal until it becomes second nature to them and they don't even think about it. And they just get up and do it because they're so used to it. It's just they've formed a habit. Now, whether that takes three days of constant reminders three months, three years, whatever it takes, you have to commit to doing that every single meal. Not once a day, not once a month when you're having a fit 
over something or you've looked around and you're tired of the clutter now you suddenly remind them to put away their dishes you have to do it every single meal every single day until they it gets ingrained in them and if you're not willing to do that then it obviously isn't that important to you it's not on the front of your mind well and and so it ties back into the idea of the clutter right because today it was towels and you know uh food you know glasses and and chips and stuff left out by the poolside but tomorrow or the next day it might be uh smithsonian rock toy stuff that's left in the garage with a bucket of water that was being used to clean the gems off of the new game or the remote control car or the uh the little drone thing that was bought like In general, I feel like a good hunk of that clutter comes from them not properly picking up after themselves, picking up after themselves, putting their toys away. You know, maybe in some cases they have too much, which I, you know, I've said that on different occasions. I've readily said, well, you know, what what it is is they just actually have too many things and some need to magically find their way into. Well, interestingly enough, I just got finished renovating our daughter's room. Towards the end of this school year, I was amazed and overwhelmed at the condition of their rooms. And I realized they have too much stuff, too many clothes, too many knick-knacky things, too many um, pieces of memorabilia, or what's the word, sentimental objects, too much, just too much. Not enough storage places to hold it, and therefore it spills all over the place, and their rooms are always a disaster. Right. Well, maybe not always, that's unfair. Frequently a disaster. Yeah. Well, Brady's so, less so than the others. I, yes. <laughs> I, I started with hers first. Um, she was motivated to get her room painted, so she was motivated to dive into this project. And so we repainted her room, got new curtains, got a new... She has bunk beds now, so we got matching bedspreads and all that kind of stuff. A new th- throw rug in her, in her room, because she has a wood floor. And then we went through every item of clothing in her room pants shirts skirts dresses jackets underwear socks bathing suits everything shorts everything every item she went through a massive growth spurt over the past six months or so and so she had a lot of stuff in there that didn't even fit her and she's also kind of being 12 years old she's kind of wanting to look a little more mature and a little less girl little girlish and so most of the stuff she either outgrew developmentally or outgrew physically. So we pared her room down extraordinarily to the point actually that she actually needs some more clothes. We need to go shopping and we will back, to, you know, before she goes back to school and get her a few new things. But since we did that, and it's only been two weeks or so maybe, yeah, but that. since we really put her room back together, her room has been neat and tidy and orderly and when she walks in there she comments 
Oh my gosh, look at what a good job I'm doing keeping my room neat. It, it feels, feels good. so good to walk yeah. in here and it's so clean and neat and orderly. It does feel good when your spaces are neat and orderly. Not just the visual space though. The closets, the cabinets, all the hidden spaces. Yeah. Because when you have, when your surfaces look good, look uncluttered, but every it's because everything is stuffed in the closet and if you open right. the door it'll all come crashing down on you or the drawer is so full you can't open it that has a psychic weight that a psychic burden that weighs upon you and literally you feel like you can breathe better when you just get touch every single piece of anything in a room every single object and decide whether it should stay or go and you know that's inspired by the magic the art the magic art of tidying up the magical art of tidying up I think that's her book um, Marie Kondo I read her book a couple years ago mm. but you know she suggests that you literally pull every single item out of every single room and touch it with your fingers and pick it up and decide is that one of the books that advocates like the boxes like the have you ever heard that strategy before didn't indicate that advocates the boxes no like you pull everything out you look at it and then you put something in a box oh stay go or throw well or yeah like maybe like definitely keeping getting rid of and then things that you don't you weren't sure of so you put them in a box somewhere that's another strategy and then if you don't go to that box and use it in, in period some period of time. of time, three months, six months, then you know, okay. Not necessary. I didn't need that thing. For me, because I know that there's times certainly when I approach my office slash art studio and... Um, You're a bit of a hoarder, I'd have to say. I'm not a hoarder. Maybe that's not a fair statement, but you don't like to part with your stuff. And you're, if you're not <laughs> vigilant about it, you're, no, your office piles up and there is stuff everywhere and there's so many books you can't fit them on the shelf and they're stacked laying against the side of the bookshelf and stacked up on your desk and they just kind of, the stacks just kind of grow like crystals in a dish. Yeah, well, that, I think that's partly some of the nature of being an artist is that there's things that I want to... There's things that I want to read or, or look at or, or study or whatever the case may be. And and then there's work that I produce, some of which is in various states of completion. And sometimes there might be four or five or six things that are kind of, you know, in the midst of being done that are sort of sitting out. And then there's times where I produce, like, you know, I used to have for a while, a long time, I had like a running book of like sketch work of different things that I had done when I was in like, you know, kind of in a good creative mode, but wasn't necessarily designing a particular comic page or character or story, but just more sketching in general. And so that book stayed out with those sketches because they're, they're helping me to refine a method or helping me to kind of get to like methods that I appreciate and that produce work that I like. And so they're good to kind of just have, to use your term, like what would drive you crazy. They're good to just have in my visual field. 
because mm-hmm. then I can look and see them and see what was and it see what work Angela. I produced there. Right, but we're 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 in very different arenas. And by looking at that stuff and seeing it, I can go, oh yeah, I remember how all that you know those marks were made, or I remember the feeling of drawing that thing, or whatever the case may be, and it can help inform the work that I'm producing. So for me, that you know the idea of like as i sit there and think about this process that you just laid out of opening up that <laughs> pandora's box so to speak of my office and taking every single thing out of there and touching it and going stay or go and I, it might be a worthwhile exercise for me to employ and i do i do it occasionally our dog our dog just decided he something a bunny thre- or something. a bunny is threatening us um but I also just wonder whether or not I would ultimately just put everything back and go, oh, well, yeah, but that, I want to come back to that someday. And you never know, I might want to read that. And that's a really cool book that's got a lot of neat stuff in it. You know it. I'm going to say? Yeah. You're just not there yet. You're just not ready. So don't even don't bother the ever, process. I don't know that I'll ever be ready. You might not. But one thing I understand about, I I am growing to understand about decluttering is that it's much like evolving as a human being, coming to higher and higher levels of consciousness, awareness, and understanding. Oh, I love it when you get that condescending sense. No, it's not not (laughs) condescending at all. But the example I will give you is that I never wanted to part with sentimental things. Right. Right? And both of my parents are dead. And so things that belong to them or remind me of them, I've never wanted to part with them. So I've got things of theirs that are completely non-functional or I'm never going to use them or they don't even work anymore. I've got my dad's 8mm movie cameras that he used to take movies with before I was born because it has a sentimental value. But maybe I'm ready to part with that stuff. Maybe I don't need it because I I remember... I don't have to hold the movie camera in my hand to remember him taking movies when I was little. I can just remember it. And so if you aren't at that level and you're still at a point where you're saying, well, maybe one day I want to come back to this. Maybe I might want to read it. Maybe I want... Don't even bother because it's... You're not ready to do it yet. So, looks like the cat was out also, so we're currently letting the cat back into the house uh, where he'll dance, dance among the clutter. But, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, you know, one man's clutter is another man's... Clutter. No. That's not the answer. One man's <laughs> clutter is another man's Treasure, uh, no. treasures, uh, things but, that they've... But here's the thing. And this is a point that I've heard from many decluttering people. And it's so true. When you have all this stuff in your possession mm-hmm. that maybe one day I'll use it. Maybe it'll come in handy. It's a spare for if the other one breaks or... You know, who knows what. Then you are responsible for maintaining all that clutter. Whether it's dusting it, 
or moving it if you move to a new house now you're moving all this stuff that maybe one day you might use maybe you won't so now you're spending your precious time time is our most precious asset that is the most precious thing that we possess as human beings so now you're spending your precious time hauling around a bunch of stuff that you may or may not ever use or ever touch oh my goodness and why why do we hoard stuff like that why do we hold on to it for maybe someday i know my dad used to hang on to stuff for maybe someday maybe you know maybe the thing will break and i'll need this to fix it or something because he was a fixer upper of everything but he was also a product of the depression he was born in the depression so his family was very very poor and he didn't he he was the kid who had to stuff newspapers in the end of his shoes to go to school because he literally with seven with seven children they didn't have money to buy new shoes they just passed them down from kid to kid and so you know i understand for someone like him he held on to things because he was programmed from a very young age that there's not enough that there's a lack of resources we might run out we might not be able to replace it, so we better hold on to it. We better save it for a rainy day. But then you're weighed down having to deal with all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Moving it, fixing it, maintaining it, cleaning it, cleaning around it. You don't have stuff for the stuff you really want because that's in the way. You know. So anyway, I thought it was a good topic to talk about because... Part of maximizing your life is also about streamlining your life. And it means looking at the things the things you spend your time doing. Because again, time is the most precious asset. So, mm-hmm. what do you spend your time doing? Make sure you're mindfully choosing to spend your time doing the things that you want to do. That mm-hmm. move you and your loved ones forward and bring joy and fulfillment and whatever else it is and then also look at the clutter how much of your time is being taken up dealing with the stuff that you don't need to have anymore one of i think it's marie kondo who says when you're giving something away when you choose to give things away you thank them for the time that they were in your life serving you and then you kind of wish them well as they go on to the next people who will get benefit from having it extra dishes or extra clothes or whatever it is you're giving away so uh we wanted to keep talking about maximizing your life because that's what we're always talking about but since this is getting a little long i think that we're gonna save we're gonna do a two-part maximizing your life decluttering your space in your mind and in your physical space And we're going to do part two in episode nine. Also in episode nine, if you recall, we're going to be announcing the winners of our special giveaway. Right. Who put a review on iTunes for us. So stay tuned. 